Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Pink Room podcast. We are your co-host, Jess and Laura. Hey girl. Hey girl. How are you today? <laughs> it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Had quite the week mm-hmm. and I am feeling full <laughs> and feeling lazy and tired. I didn't get up early like I usually do. So yeah. feeling a little unbalanced in that way. Mm-hmm. What about you? I, well, let's see. I drank too much. I ate too much. I didn't exercise at all. The only, the only type of uh, physical movement I've engaged in in the past few days is like a cornhole tournament, (laughs) a turkey bowl tournament with my family. So yeah, I'm definitely not feeling my best, but it's okay. Right. Because it's, it's Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's the day to reset and get ready for the rest of the week. So today I was able to do a little meditation. I did a little 30 minutes on my Peloton um, so I'm I'm on my way there to there feeling better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little self-care, <laughs> self-care action. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and dive right in into today's episode and what we're going to talk about. Um, last episode, you talked a lot about self-compassion. And I think what I took away from that discussion was that we need to do a better job of practicing self-compassion. And so I did want to take this opportunity to talk more about that and what that looks like and how to apply those strategies to our day-to-day life. Sounds good. Okay, cool. Something else that I realized that happens pretty often is that self-care and self-compassion are sometimes used interchangeably, but they're actually different. They're two different things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I thought, okay, in preparing for this episode, I was kind of like, okay, let me see what people are thinking, what people are saying. So I, I started with a post um, on our pot, on our Instagram page, and I asked people what self-care and self-compassion uh, is, and only 66% actually answered correctly, which is regarding yourself as opposed to trading yourself, only 66%. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm on the right path, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so then I did a second poll, and I, I basically gave examples, which was exercise, eating healthy, mindfulness, and um, pedicure. And I said, which one is the act of self-compassion? And it's mindfulness, mindfulness, but only I think 68% got that one correctly. Interesting. Yeah. And I'll add to that, self-care is very popular. People mm-hmm. talk about self-care all the time. Not a lot of people talk about self-compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's, it's because it's like they think when they're doing the act of taking care of themselves that that's showing themselves self-compassion, which I guess in some way it is. But they're two definitely two different practices, right? And something else I noted in like looking at the data collection for the polls is that everyone who did participate and got it, um, or excuse me, who answered the question incorrectly was under the age, to my knowledge of anyway, of the age 35. Really? Yes. That's interesting. It is interesting because I was just like, okay, is self-compassion and mindfulness something that you learn to practice more as you're getting older? when there's less focus on maybe like your image. What do you think? Yeah, I did not even know what self-compassion was when I was younger. No, I don't, (laughs) definitely not in my 20s. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't, I don't even remember it being a thing. Yeah, I don't don't know if a lot of people talk about self-compassion, it's more so like about Mm self-care. What do you do to take care of yourself? Well, I go on a run. Right. Yeah, I take a hot bath. Yeah, <laughs> I get a pedicure, tw- every, you know, every two weeks. <laughs> I dye my hair. 
<laughs> I do that a lot, and I like to do a lot of different colors. <laughs> um, okay, so what I thought we would do is start off by defining the difference of self-care and self-compassion. So for all the participants who are like needing to understand the difference, like here we go. So self-care by definition is, is taking the time to do things that help you live well and improve your physical and mental health. Okay, so some of the things that I tend to do um, are I, I exercise a lot. It just helps me so much cope with like any form of anxiety or like sadness. It always puts me in a better mood. So I definitely try to exercise quite a bit. That's like my number one go-to. I'm pretty good about getting pedicures every like two weeks. That's another form of self-care. I always make time for it. It makes me feel better. Um, on Sundays, I have like a whole routine of self-care where I'm just like I take a long bath. I do a face mask. I make sure I read. Um, I don't do that every day. So it's special on Sundays. What what kind of forms of self-care do you do? You do? I definitely use exercise as a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. And in addition <clears throat> to that, I've mentioned before, I will get up early and I will read mm-hmm. uh, or meditate or journal or what have you. And I think that's also practicing self-care. And, you know, it's hard to, I think, as mothers to make time. That's the hardest part. For Mm self-care. And it's also easy to maybe even confuse, oh, well, I took a a nice hot shower. It's like, that's not always self-care. Like, that's a necessity. (laughs) And I've been guilty of that, too. Oh, yeah, me too, Where it's like, oh, I took a shower and nobody bothered me for 15 minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's not self-care. That's, uh, you know, again. So, you know, just making sure that you're carving time out for those practices too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's self-care. And I would love to do an episode specifically on self-care and hone into all the practices um, at another time. But Mm -hmm. today is more about self-compassion. So for self-compassion to define it, I actually reached out to a friend who is, she has a master's in clinical mental health counseling. She's a mother of three, all around a wonderful woman. And I asked her, like, what is self-compassion to you? And this is how she defined it. Being kind to ourselves as opposed to being critical, especially in the face of not feeling like you're doing enough. When you don't feel like you know what you're doing or when you make a mistake, we are so quick to give compassion to other mothers and give them grace when things don't go as planned. But it can be very challenging to turn that back to ourselves. So what I get from that is more so about like how we speak to ourselves, how we treat ourselves um, when a conflict arises in our daily life. Yeah. And also, too, when we think about how would we talk to our best friends Mm -hmm. or a family member Mm -hmm. or even our daughters or our our children, sons or daughters, if they're going through something, if they're going through a hard time, Mm -hmm. how are we going to talk to them? And I bet you everyone is going to say the same thing and it's going to be with compassion. Mm -hmm. And okay, so we need to make sure that we're talking to ourselves in the same way. Yeah. Would you say that you're able to do that right now? No, (laughs) not a hundred percent of the time. Right. Right. I definitely in the past in my history have not been very well, very kind to myself. I will admit that it's just something that I think even maybe over the past like month that I'm becoming more aware of and trying to, to practice more because self-care, sure. Practice that self-compassion. Not really. I'm actually pretty, it's a major deficit for me. Okay, it's a good thing we're talking about it today. I mean, right? (laughs) There's got to be someone who can relate to that, right? I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, cool. So let's talk about like how not having 
good self-compassion practices impacts us daily. Let's talk about that. I think it might be important too to even go a little bit further and and you know what what is it that's a barrier to be able to show ourselves compassion? Where did it come from? Okay. Yeah, I like that. And for me, I'll speak on body image. Okay. I think it's important too to speak on the barriers that are in place that prevent us from being able to be compassionate with ourselves. And there are so many different barriers. Mm -hmm. Everyone's journey is different. Everybody has their own barriers. Today, I think I'll speak on one of mine, which is probably particularly difficult. Um, It would be body image. Mm -hmm. And I've never really been this personal about it. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my goal here is to share from a a human perspective, right? That's what being compassionate is, is is knowing that everyone has their struggle Mm -hmm. and we are all in this together. And there is something that everybody is struggling with. And so that's in itself understanding Mm -hmm. compassion. And so for me anyways, personally, I've struggled with body image for as long as I can remember. In fact, I might even go so far as to say, I don't ever remember not struggling with body image. I have to say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to say that is pretty um, unbelievable for me to hear from you because as long as I've known you, I didn't know that about you. So I'll do this thing Mm -hmm. and I kind of put on a facade Mm-hmm. because I know the right things. I know the right things to say and do and think and feel. Mm-hmm. And and I want to be that person mm-hmm. who's confident and who is showing themselves compassion. And I mean, to this day, it's been a struggle. And I guess I, in a way, try and hide it. And mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why or why there is um, some embarrassment attached to that. Sure. Um, but it definitely goes back to being in junior high even and just kind of the pressures of feeling like I don't fit in and seeing that other people might look different from me. Mm-hmm. And it is. And so it's been like that most of my life. Yeah. And and just kind of feeling the pressures of society and what other women are looking like. Mm-hmm. And you see actresses and musicians and they're on the cover of magazines and they're looking a certain way. And, you know, their hair is done a certain way and their makeup is done a certain way. And I just remember being a little girl and thinking, wow, I don't look like that. Mm-hmm. And but I wanted to. Right. Yeah. And now today on social media (laughs) and now on social media, media, everything is instant. Mm -hmm. Everything is right there. And we have these quote unquote influencers Mm -hmm. and where their sole job is to influence you Mm -hmm. into being a certain way or buying a certain product or looking a certain way, looking a certain way. And if you are not a hundred percent secure and strong in yourself, like they will influence you. Sure. Like that's what their role is. And so you impose that on a younger girl who is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And in that state, like that 
can be difficult. Yeah. And I think it's some something that every single woman and girl has dealt with at some point in their life, if not every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember, <clears throat> I do remember times where I would say like, go shopping with my mom for homecoming or prom. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I have memories of just hating the size dress that I had to find to fit me. Yeah. (laughs) Which, which is interesting because that thought just popped in my mind just now. And I probably would have never remembered it if we hadn't have (laughs) had this episode today, but even just like tiny, tiny moments like that. And you spread those out across time and they accumulate and, And then you have body image. Absolutely. And I'll talk more. It's funny because I realized the same thing recently that it's like small interactions, small Mm -hmm. things that were said over um, a course of time that accumulated to create this like insecurity or this, uh, this, this self critiquing behavior. So I understand what you're saying. And also I think a lot that has come to my mind recently in terms of dealing with self-compassion and trying to practice it is I blocked a lot of things out of my mind that took place in my childhood and adolescent years or even my young adult years. So I understand what you say by you don't really think about things, but when you kind of open up the subject, Mm -hmm. so much comes to the surface and you're like, oh yeah, I remember this. Mm -hmm. And you don't even realize it that you've held on to that for so long and it's probably a barrier, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, And... So I will say, though, about my journey, and it's taken me almost 35 years to get to this place of practicing self-compassion, but to be able to get to a place where you need to love yourself Mm -hmm. wherever you are on your journey. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of shared this with you in the past a little bit through like, you know, our conversations and, and what have you, but so what we would do or, or what I would do anyways, is there would always be these like conditions Mm -hmm. that I would put on myself. Oh, maybe if I lose 10 pounds, right. Right. Or, Oh, if I could just like drop a size in, you know, in clothes Mm -hmm. or if I had this new makeup. Mm -hmm. And so we put these external conditions on us and we think that if we, you know, if we get to this point, that's when we'll be happy. We'll get happiness out of that. And what I cannot stress enough is that when you stay in those shadows of those external conditions, you will never be happy. Right. You have to step out of them and you have to learn to find it in yourself and love yourself outside of those conditions because you need to love yourself unconditionally. Yeah. And the way that you do that is doing the work on the inside, right? So you could, you could work out every day to lose that weight mm-hmm. and still you'll lose that weight. But if you don't do the work on the inside and change your thought process and the kindness and the compassion that you show yourself, you're still going to have that same issue. You're still not going to be the best version, the kindest version of yourself. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. And I remember gosh, like the postpartum period. And I know what it feels like to look in the mirror weeks after weeks postpartum and not recognizing anything that you see in the mirror staring back at you. And that is hard. And it's a really hard place to come up from. And I've been there and I get it. 
And that was a really challenging time for me in terms of being able to accept myself like physically and love mm-hmm. my body at every stage. That has probably been the hardest stage and just recovering from that too. Um, but again, I can't stress this enough. I know I just said it, but you have to love yourself outside of those conditions because if you don't, you'll never get to a place where you're happy with yourself. Would you mind just for practice sharing some of the comments that you made to yourself during that time when you were looking in the mirror? And I know this is really difficult to do and talk about. Um, and again, what we want to what we want to do on this show is just be very human mm-hmm. and very raw and very real and talk about all the hardship that not everyone gets to talk about. Um, but I think it really makes us brave. So I know this is difficult, but if you can give me one or two comments that you made to yourself, because I remember when you were going through both postpartum situations, I remember you reaching out to me and I remember also giving you words of affirmation and it kind of like goes to the point of like, you have to treat yourself and talk to yourself the way that you would talk to your girlfriend or your Mm -hmm. daughter or your mom, right? I, yeah, I would look in the mirror and I would say, I look disgusting And I hate the way that I look. I hate that my pants are not fitting. Um, Nothing in my body, nothing on my body feels like it's where it belongs anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not feel attractive. Mm -hmm. That's just to name a few. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I remember you telling me a few of these things. And I remember saying to you, and, and mind you, this is my, when I looked in the mirror after having babies, I said the same things to myself. I was like, who is, whose body is this? Like, why is that jiggling? Why, why, why doesn't that feel like a part of me? Um, and you know, there's like breast milk everywhere and like nothing feels sexy. No, no, no. You're just like, whose body is this? This is not me. I get it. Um, so I said the same things when I looked in the mirror and I was like, I can't wait to feel like myself again. Right. But I remember telling you like, be kind to yourself. And instead of looking at your body and saying like, I feel disgusting, say like, you're a badass because you just gave birth to two human beings who are healthy and beautiful and not, I mean, it's such a privilege to be able to say that. So look at your body and say, I fucking love my body. Yes. And I remember that and I remember those conversations. And I think that's probably when, honestly, my mind, my mind shift, my mind started to shift because I had two girls now who were looking up to me and I thought about if they were in my position, what would I want them to say about themselves? And so from then on was probably a turning point for me because I didn't want them to hear me or see me think that way about myself because I would never want them to think anything close to that. Right. And so now I had two little girls who were looking up to me and they were watching me regardless of if I knew they were or not. And I'll be damned if they grow up feeling insecure about the way they look like on their outside when they have so much more to give that's on the inside. Yeah. Yes. I love Hell that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I feel, I, I relate to you because I feel the same way about my daughter. And it's funny today, I, w- I, I was so upset because she looked in the mirror. I got ready to, I got her dressed, put her hair in a ponytail and did all the things and got her ready to leave. And she looked in the mirror and she says, mama, I never feel pretty. I was like, I'm sorry, what? And I just, it took me back. I was so taken aback and shocked because she's never said anything like that. And I, to my knowledge or recollection, I don't think I've ever said anything like that in front of her, but she got it. She got it from somewhere. 
And she said, I just don't feel pretty. I said, baby girl, come back (laughs) over here. Look in this mirror. (laughs) And I said, look at yourself and say, like, I'm strong. I'm smart. I'm funny. I'm kind. And I'm really pretty. And I said, and then hug yourself. And then she did it. And then she kind of like just pretty much walked away skipping. (laughs) But it was just like, wow, she's only five years old. I don't even know where that came from. But for to hear her say that, and let me tell you, I've said that to myself a million times when I looked in the mirror. But to hear her say that, I was like, oh, no, Mm. like something has. I don't know what I have to do, but I have to do a better job. So that happened today. Oof. Mm -hmm. And she's beautiful. She's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I'm biased, but she's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so body image is really like the root of where you find yourself needing to practice more self-compassion. I'd say so. Okay. So in what ways do you think like you've been working on that? So kind of like how I mentioned, I've, I've stopped trying to find happiness in external factors Mm -hmm. and really working on being happy with who I am Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm good enough period. Mm -hmm. Not if, not when, not, but just, I am good enough, period. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's healing and healing is not linear. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I think the premise of all this is. And self-compassion is we're healing Mm -hmm. and this is growth. And some days are going to be harder than others. And that's okay. And it's okay for joy and sadness to coexist Mm -hmm. within that healing. And so I think understanding those pieces and also being aware. So I've practiced a lot of awareness and mindfulness Mm -hmm. in recognizing how I'm feeling when I'm feeling it and how emotions, they just come and go. Mm -hmm. And if I sit with them and recognize them and feel them, They'll pass kind of like an overhead cloud right. that I've said a couple of times. And I, I do not say anything negative about the way that I look anymore. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think um, someone, one of our listeners, Diana Salazar, actually messaged us um, in our DM. She slid into our DMs one day and she said, <laughs> she said, just curious if you could go back to yourself as a in junior high high school as a ch- or as a child and you could talk to yourself what would you say and that pretty much prompted an exercise for you mm-hmm. a journal entry exercise which is actually a good strategy for self compassion it's about finding the root of of what has caused you to have so many barriers in terms of being kind to yourself and typically correct i mean correct me if i'm wrong and again i'm no expert no expert at all but this is what i've received from all the years of counseling I've done, all the inner work I've done, is that usually the, the deficits we have in self-compassion are always related to some time or some point in time, whether it was in your childhood or your adolescence. So what you need to do or what, I, what I've learned to do is I have to trace back to where it started. Okay, so I think that's kind of like where your journal um, practice is is you're kind of you found you figured out like where it started for you and then you you wrote to yourself so tell us a bit tell me a bit about your journal practice 
Yeah, it was actually a coincidence that she wrote in and asked that question because I had done this journal exercise already that same week. And that was a part of my, it was a guided visualization I was doing, which I guess is another way that I'm actively working towards self-compassion. And so it was interesting that she had asked that question because I thought, how funny, I just did this. Wow. So you put it out in the universe. <laughs> I, I guess so. I wrote it down and I wrote it down in, uh, here in my journal and and I'm happy to share it. Um, it's pretty personal. I will say that I have not gotten through it without crying. So if you do hear a pause, the audio didn't cut out. I'm just taking a second to collect my thoughts. Um, And then to give some context, the prompt that was given was to imagine that you step into an auditorium. It's a big auditorium and it's filled with people in the crowd Uh and they're all there for you. Whoa. Every single one of them is there for you. They call you on stage. Everybody is clapping for you. They're cheering for you. There's so much positivity and love in the room and support. And you're just kind of overwhelmed by it. And you step on stage and you look and you're about to give a speech Mm -hmm. and you look out in the audience and you look in the front row Mm -hmm. and you see your younger self. Mm. What do you say to them? Oh, wow. Ooh. Was the, was the prompt that kind of helped set the scene. Yeah. And so for me, I actually saw two people in that front row. The first was my younger self in, in junior high, high school age, mm-hmm. which I think kind of going off of what you said maybe is where some of it stems from. But then I saw another person, and that was my younger self after just having uh, given birth to the girls. I see. And how old were you at that age? 33. 33. Okay. That's right. Because it was just over two years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this is what I said. I see you walking the halls of your high school, trying so hard to please everyone. You are worrying about not fitting in, not being liked, not being pretty enough, your teenage acne, not being the right size. And I know in this moment, it's hard to see the bigger picture and it feels all consuming. But I need to tell you, there is so much more to you than those things on the outside. The reason you don't fit in is because you were born to stand out. The amount of love you are capable of pouring into others will be too much for some people on this earth. This will undoubtedly result in a lot of heartbreak for you, but it won't define you. There will be periods where you might lose yourself and your shine might dull, but this is only temporary. You will get back up and you will shine again every single time. You are worthy of love and you don't need to give to earn it from others. You only need to just be you. In fact, this love you have inside you is a gift and there's a reason and purpose for it. Later in life, you will bring three beautiful babies to at one time into this world and you will have the capacity to give them all that love and it will be the most beautiful rewarding thing and that will of course come with its own set of challenges so i see you i see you going on a walk for the first time after having your twins and it feels like you're walking through mud because your body is that weak a weakness you've never known before an exhaustion you've never known before and a heaviness you've never known before. You will have to relearn who you are, your purpose, and what you have to offer. 
and love, that walk will turn into a run, that run will turn into a sprint, and that sprint will turn into a climb. You will rise and you will shine. You will climb those mountains not so others can see you, but so you can see the world, and you will step into the most powerful, authentic version of yourself, and it will blow you away. Your story can be anything you want it to be because it's just that, yours. The only limitations that exist are because we put them there. But I am here to tell you, we break through them and it feels really freaking good. I know it feels like validation from others is important, but it's not. You will learn to step out of that shadow of needing others to validate you and you will immediately step into a higher version of yourself. You get to look forward to an abundance of self-love. You will love yourself more than ever an abundance of community and friendship. There are so many people in your corner. An abundance of freedom to create how you choose and nothing will hold you back. You are doing big things, so even on the hard days, just show up. You will breathe fire because you are the sun. Wow. You made it without crying. I did. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of you. That was really powerful and very beautiful and very deep. It was deep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. That was, that was really brave of you. I'm not sure I could share the same thing. So I really appreciate that. And hearing you say, refer to yourself as the girl walking through the halls, wondering if everyone likes her, if she's good enough or she, if she's pretty enough, all those things. I definitely can, can relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this show can also relate to that. And it probably brought them back to when they experienced that same thing. I hope so. Yeah. So after doing that practice, do you think that has that helped you in any way? Absolutely. Uh, It was very uh, therapeutic in the sense that I am so proud of how far that I've come Mm -hmm. in this journey of self-love and Mm self-discovery. And so I think what I feel the most is proud And that kind of fuels me Mm -hmm. to just keep going and again, work, working on this healing journey of knowing who I am Mm -hmm. and being okay with that and knowing that I'm worth it, period, no conditions. And it's really huge. It's a huge step to be able to sit back and identify the root of the problem and where it started, right? Because that's actually a really hard thing to do. And what I'll do with this is transitioned to like my story. So where I lack the most self-compassion is I'm very, very self-critiquing. I'm so critical of myself. It's, it's really, (laughs) it's my biggest deficit. And yes, I have body image issues and, and insecurities like, like everyone does. But I think where I, where I struggle more is, um, the way I talk to myself and I've, for as long as I remember, I've always been this way. And so I've never really sat down to think like, okay, where did this start? Why am I this way? Why do I lack so much kindness towards myself? And I have to say that my self-critiquing really is about more like performance task. So the things that come to my mind when I'm at work or even with this podcast or when I was an athlete, um, it was always like, are you good enough? Are you smart enough? Are you working hard enough? Um, You're not enough. It's just Mm. always that. And so the past few weeks, I have finally (laughs) traced back like the origin of where that criticism, self-criticism comes from. And I realized that 
I started, it, it very much comes from being an athlete. And I started playing softball at the age of four, okay? And I ended up playing in college and I played my whole life. Well, I grew up in the 90s and all my coaches were males. And I think that coaching style was very different back then. And this is in addition to just father, my father, okay? And I will say today, me and my father have an amazing relationship and we have made leaps and bounds in terms of developing a healthy relationship. But that wasn't always the case. And I have to be compassionate towards my dad, like, like you and I are, like where parents were learning as we go, we mm-hmm. make mistakes. I think that he was doing his best at that time. Sure. Okay. Because I will say, and he knows this, he was extremely, extremely hard on me. Um, but in addition to that, all the coaches I ever had were male. And they would give so much crit- criticism all the time. And it was usually like in this raised voice. And it was um, it was a lot of feedback, like you're not strong enough, mm-hmm. you're not big enough, you're not fast enough, you can't make errors, you can't strike out. Um, why would you do that? And, and also, so I remember one time when I was 16, I was in a tournament and I made an error at shortstop and my coach took me out and was just like, you can't make mistakes at this level. Um, that's something I haven't thought about in so long. Another coach, another time, maybe in 14 and under, I struck out looking and he took me out of the game. It was like, you're not allowed to do that. So those are just small, tiny examples and like, okay, cry me a river. That's not that bad in the, in the worst case scenario, <laughs> the grand scheme of things and life, right? But for me, that developed into quite a bit of a problem for me emotionally and mentally throughout my whole life. Because what I did was those voices became my inner voice. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time when I was 15 and I was starting to be recruited, I told one of my coaches, like, my goal is to be a D1 athlete. I want to play softball in college. And I remember him looking at me and he said, Jesse, you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. Like, you'll never play in college. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in some ways, that was helpful because it, like, put a fire in me where I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove you wrong. And I did. I did. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, still played uh, D1 softball at Sac State. Yeah. And, and Western Illinois University my freshman year, I got a scholarship. But I remember him telling me that and I've never forgotten it. Um, another another uh, example I have is my freshman year, I went to school at Western Illinois University and I chose broadcast journalism because I wanted to do audio entertainment. I wanted to be on the radio like we've all learned at this point. And I remember my first professor in my first broadcast, broadcasting class um, after we did some practices with um, our voices and on the radio and did some recording practices, he looked at me and he said, you don't have the voice to be on the radio. Okay, so there was like another male figure that was supposed to be helping me, but really telling me I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do something I wanted to do. Like I wasn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, 20 years later, here I am doing audio <laughs> entertainment for fun, right? <laughs> But my point is that what I've learned to do is find the root of this criti- like this self-criticism. And it goes back to my adolescent years, early adulthood, and, and childhood. And so what I've been doing recently to work on that and to show myself compassion in those moments that, you know, if I'm not, if, if, if I'm feeling like I'm not doing good enough, if I'm not smart enough, if this and that. I go back and I envision this like the little version of me, which often in my mind is my daughter mm-hmm. because my daughter looks, she's a spitting image yeah. of me. Like she, it's like looking at myself. <laughs> um, so I envision like my little girl 
with this like man in her face telling her like, why did you make that error? You cost us the game. You're not good enough. You need to practice harder. Like all these things like interface posturing and finger pointed. And what I do is I envision myself and I walk over to the coach and I'm like, step aside, homeboy. (laughs) (laughs) And I get down eye level and I look at the little, the young version of myself. And I say like, it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. You're not perfect. And that's okay. Mm. Okay. You're going to make mistakes. You are safe. You are loved. Your mistakes don't define you. Okay. And then I, and then my hype girl inner gangster comes out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I'm like, and also fuck these dudes. (laughs) Don't ever let a man or anyone for that matter, put you in a box and tell you, you need to be perfect or there's something that you can or can't do, or you're not enough. You are strong enough. You are smart enough. You are kind enough. You're funny enough. And yeah, you're beautiful enough. And then I hug my little self, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kiss her on the forehead. And then let me tell you, just that like thought process really, really helps me. And I just, I feel so much better because what I'm doing is I'm going back to my inner child and I'm starting my healing process there. And that I have to say is not something that I've done ever in my adult life. It's just something I recently started doing maybe about like, again, two weeks Mm -hmm. to a month ago. Wow. That's huge. You got to go back and uproot it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think in, in also in being compassionate to myself, I'm like, I found a way to be more compassionate to the people in my life who made me feel not good enough. Right. Like I said, at the beginning of this to my dad, I'm just like, you know, he was doing his best at the time. And that also helps. Yeah, we have to forgive and we have to show others compassion. Yeah. Just like we're showing ourselves. Right, right. So that's my story. That's what I've been doing. I've been doing the work on the inside with my inner child. And I have to say, you know, I've said before that having my daughter changed my life in so many ways. Um, I think my daughter, like you know, was a surprise. She was unplanned. Um, my plan was to only have two two children and he he knew exactly what he was doing. God knew exactly what he was doing by giving me a daughter because it really has healed me or started the healing process in a lot of ways because I'm just like, I want her, I I want her to be a different woman. I don't want her to deal with all these things that I'm dealing with. So I'm very grateful for that. I totally get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how, how life works out. It is. Yeah. They'll change you. Yeah. His plan is better, bigger than ours. Mm-hmm. bigger and better. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. That was hard for me to share too, but it feels really good. Good. And I'm sure that so many of our listeners will be able to relate. Mm-hmm. And also just to emphasize, like, that's the point of this. That's mm-hmm. the point of this podcast. Like even just this podcast for you mm-hmm. is an act of self-compassion. This is breaking down those barriers that were created when you were younger and saying, I can do this and I'm going to. And that's huge. Yeah, I think so, too. So other strategies um, that we didn't really touch on today, we talked about mindfulness, working on the inner child, being kind to yourself, um, you know, changing the self-critical comments to something more positive. So we did that. Other other strategies that you can use also for our listeners is embrace your imperfections and qualities. So something that I'll share that's maybe a little embarrassing, but um, in terms of body image, I've always had an issue with my thighs. 
<laughs> I got thick thighs, okay? So, but I used to hate them. I've always, I, maybe I still do, but I'm doing a better job coping with them because I used to have a really big issue with my thighs. But when I look at my thighs, I no longer say like, oh, I hate them. What I say is like, I love how strong and big they are because I was able to to carry three children, each for nine months. And and I wouldn't be able to, you know, I they make me strong. And I, so I see them in that light. That's how I replace that negative thought is like they, they're strong. You you may not be a Victoria's Secret model, but you sure as hell can squat one. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> That's a quote I saw somewhere that I really liked. Oh, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I use that same strategy, too. It's now I mean, it's now about strength mm-hmm. for me, too. Yeah. Like you are strong. Yeah. You're thick, but you're a, you're a fit thick. <laughs> you are a fit thick, and you can you can handle some heavy shit. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so this was so much fun. Um, what I would love to do is go more into self care at another episode. I'm sure we'll do another follow up episode on self compassion once we receive info and comments from our listeners and stuff. Um, I did want to cite uh, Dr. Kristen Neff. She is a pioneer in self-compassion. About 20 years ago, um, she essentially operationally defined and measured the construct of self-compassion. So if you're interested in learning more about self-compassion and practices, I would definitely look her up because she is just um, a fountain of uh, knowledge and information regarding that subject. And I'm sure we will refer to her more often in future episodes. Okay. The last thing we will do today is talk about our active service for the week. And this week we are going to serve ourselves. <laughs> last episode, we asked you to donate to a women's shelter in your neighborhood. Um, I hope you were able to do that. I hope you were able to make some small impact in someone's life out there this week. What we would like you to do, the, the, the challenge is to pick a strategy of self-compassion and use that every single day for seven days and let us know how it worked for you. Be kind to yourself. All right, y'all. See you next time. Bye.